Support for WERU health-related programming comes from the Penobscot Bay Press, committed to providing community news and information, publishing three weekly newspapers, the Weekly Packet, Island Advantages, the Castine Patriot, the annual Bay Community Register, the Summer Seasonal Guide, and more. Also on the web at www.penobscotbaypress.com. It's just a few seconds before 10 o'clock, and you are tuned to WERU-FM, 89.9 Blue Hill, 102.9 Bangor, and streaming online at WERU.org. Healthy Options with host Rhonda Feynman is up next. Welcome. Good morning. I'm Rhonda Feynman. This is Healthy Options, and I am here with three very interesting uh, individuals. Um, first, let me introduce um, Rob, Rob Pfeiffer. He's a counselor and founder of Veterans Helping Veterans. It's an organization offering individual counseling and group work, post-traumatic stress support, body work, and body work for treatment of trauma. Um, Rob Pfeiffer is a charter member of Veterans for Peace which helps support veterans helping veterans, and he is committed to the health, healing, and integration of veterans returning from war. Thank you for being here, Rob. And, um, thanks for having us, Thanks. Rhonda. I'm also here with uh, Peter Green and Carl Stoddard. They're veterans of the Vietnam er- War era. They're here to discuss their experiences with veterans helping veterans, and I think uh, we are here to do some outreach and to really learn about how to create some health with returning veterans if they're, if they're out of whack and out of balance. And uh, thank you, Peter, and thank you, Carl, for being here. Mm, thank you. Thanks. I just want to say um, that if uh, this sometimes as we talk about trauma and such, and we've done this before, people can get re-stimulated. We'll talk a little bit about that and maybe do some mm-hmm. breathing or some exercises to help if something gets re-triggered, right? And, but um, I want to give the phone number for, um, for Rob and how to reach uh, Veterans Helping Veterans, which is 236-3777. And I do encourage you to call um, Rob and... Um, if something comes up, we're not going to do a call-in show at the moment, and, um, but if something comes up and you are re-stimulated, we will have many opportunities and ways that you can get in touch with Rob and, and, and Peter and uh, Carl so you can uh, get the help you need. Thank you very much. This is fantastic. Good. We're, so We're excited. So, so Rob, maybe you can <coughs> start a little bit um, and tell us about how veterans, uh, helping veterans came to be and what the mission is and, and how this is all... Uh, Oh, well, yes, together. thank you. That, uh, it was about this time a year ago uh, when, you know, the Christmas season starts and you start thinking about, uh, oh, giving and everybody being happy. And, of course, it's not a really happy time. Uh, suicide rates tend to go up and it's dark and it's cold. And on top of that, I heard a uh, radio news bit about a mother in Minnesota whose son had come home from Iraq, badly burned, 80%, 90% of his body burned, and he'd been in Walter Reed for a while. They'd uh, stabilized the situation and then sent him home. Now, the mother uh, was on the news because she was requesting help to buy a used washing machine because she was tending for her son at home. She had to give up her job to do it adequately, uh, and... She was washing the sheets every day because of all these potential infections. And I was so appalled by that 
bit of news and how sad it was this veteran who had done the best he could and was badly injured was now in these dire straits um, and his mother had to give up work and you know, it was just a, a, a miserable story and it, it totally conflicted with the Christmas season and all that spirit and uh, I said uh, we've got to do better than that so we are we are a pilot project we're hoping this uh, effort can be replicated all over the country uh, community mental health I think is where it's at we are responding to the local needs of our local veterans mid-coast Maine that could be uh, Bucksport it could be uh, Brunswick for all I know uh, how do you define the mid-coast but um, anywhere in the state that uh, somebody is looking for some support we think we can provide it and we've got a wonderful network of practitioners to do so that. So are you talking about uh, you're a counselor, there are psychi- psychologists involved, sci- uh, um, I know there are acupuncturists involved, there are uh, body workers. Um. It's an incredible array of, of practitioners. We have three psychologists who are supporting this effort. Everyone agreed, uh, once I, I ran this idea by uh, a, a bunch of people, no, everyone kept saying, yes, this is a great idea, we want to do something for veterans. So everyone's donating an hour a week of their time uh, at no or low cost. We did agree that because of the pride issue, we wanted everyone to be able to contribute something uh, because... You mean the, the, the participants, the, vet, the, the veterans, veterans? We decided between 10 and $20 uh, per session for whatever you're doing, uh, if the veteran can afford that. If they can't, if they're destitute, then absolutely we're going to go forward with no, no uh, reimbursement. But the... The pride issue was important, so we decided between ten and a sliding scale starts at ten and goes to twenty, and uh, that's the that's the limit. So everyone's doing that an hour a week and uh, happily doing it. And th- this is mostly in mid coast right now, but with we do option. have a psychologist in Blue Hill. We have a psychologist oh, in Waterville. So we have a big triangle, I guess you could say, so, from uh, Rockland to Waterville to Blue Hill and back down. So, so I'm looking at our local WERU local area. And I know a lot of people possibly are listening um, online. So this is something to really be thinking about in your own community if you're not in the immediate mid-coast area. So what are kinds of issues are coming up? And, and, and Carl and Peter, I'm going to get you in, in in a minute, but let's kind of put a, a little bit of a framework about what you're seeing and uh, and how, um, how are you approaching people? Are you getting, uh, are people just calling you or are they being referred? What's well, we printed the, the the support we got, the grant we received uh, from Veterans for Peace uh, was wonderful because it allowed me to print some brochures. And brochures, we give them out at Common Ground Fair. We give them out at any public gathering. There have been peace rallies, et cetera, where people have taken these. And uh, and then it's word of mouth uh, as much as anything else, I think. Uh, this, we really hope, helps. And there are a few phone calls that come from this that we can connect with mm-hmm. people who are having miserable lives or feeling not sleeping well, not digesting food well, having relationship issues, uh, feeling a lot of anger, rage, uh, maybe having trouble working on a regular basis. Um, so we want to try and alleviate some of that pain and suffering and uh, create some better living conditions for people. Uh, living meaning within their own bodies. Uh, we're probably not going to build new houses and all of that because that's not what we're about. But uh, we definitely want to help people with their inner turmoil. Mm-hmm. So the kind of things that are coming through the door are uh, are extremely diverse. The Vietnam-era veterans uh, all had different 
experiences. It was a very individualistic war, uh, small units. So uh, for all of us, you're going to hear from Carl and Peter, their experiences were different from mine, but there were a lot of similar. There's a common thread in that we all come out feeling really hypervigilant, like activated by sounds, by uh, smells, by all sorts of things. Music of that era tends to take us back to things. So there are a lot of triggering events, and uh, it tends to take a veteran to a place where they don't particularly want to go. The younger veterans are extremely uh, activated by, for instance, traffic. Uh, in the Midcoast in Maine in the summer, traffic's a huge problem. And these guys get trapped in a traffic jam, and they're feeling incredible rage because they associate it with uh, IEDs. You know, if, your, ve if your vehicles, the, uh, the hidden bombs that are in oh. Iraq, if you're slowing down in your Humvee, if you're being slowed down, that probably means an ambush is coming. Something's going to blow up. Totally So scary. when they're stuck in traffic on Route 1, they're feeling like bashing all the cars and, and racing down the yellow line trying to mm -hmm. escape. So... We're seeing all sorts of things. It, it, uh, for me, to, no, that's I, an I, idea. That's a that's sort but of. But this glimpse. is really important to to put it in a perspective, and I I know uh, that that's that these are huge issues. Um, let me bring my other guest in, uh, Carl Peter. Um, you were you're and and I should say, and I don't know why in the introduction that uh, Rob, you are a vet. You were a Marine and in, in the I'm Vietnam. I'm a disabled vet. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> all right. And. Uh, Peter, let's start with you. What? I was a Marine also in Vietnam in 1969 and uh, shot up, wounded very seriously with traumatic brain injury, came back and uh, walked out of the hospital. And that was, this early happened in early uh, spring of 69. And in the fall of 69, I walked out of the hospital thinking I was just fine. Life is grand. I just wanted to get away from the hospital. And it's amazing as you watch your life develop where you find where you end up even 40 years later and you perhaps take a look back and you suddenly realize how you developed to be the person you are and perhaps how this has impacted you. And as I walked in the door here today and I looked at you and I said, that chair over there is mine. And you kind of looked at me with that little startled look <laughs> and I said, well, <clears throat> you know, I uh, really feel more comfortable looking for the face in the door. I said, this is something that is something that I've always felt comfortable with. It's the stage of entrapment. It's one of those things that my wife looked at me when we first met and said, uh, I really want to sit here. And I said, I know, but I have to sit there. And uh, it's funny because one of the young fellows that's in our group that was uh, from Iraq kind of looked at me and uh, said pretty much the same thing. I asked him, I looked at him, I said, do you ever notice where you sit when you go in a restaurant with your girlfriend? And he goes, well, no. I said, no, where do you sit? Then I stop and think about it. And he said, well, I guess I, I always sit facing the door. And I said, you ever wonder why? And, you know, here we are. We're, we're hypervigilant. This is 40 years later. I'm still carrying the same hypervigilance. You know, I, I still, and of course, since I've got connected up to Rob, it's like uh, opening a floodgate because we tend to stuff all this emotionalism, the things that have happened to us, uh, and I looked at Rob, I, I, I had an individual session with him recently and I looked at him and I said, you know, the last two and a half, three months, I said, I've really had a hard time. I've really been feeling real severe depression. And, uh, and Rob looked at me and he goes, uh, do you have any idea why this is happening to you? 
And I said, no. I said, you know, I, I've, I've had a little depression before, but I've never really felt it where it made me unable to get, not really want to even go out the door, not want to really leave the house. And I'm, I'm in the logging business. I'm one of these people. I just go and do it, you know? And, and, uh, Rob looked at me and he kind of got a little smile on his face and he said, uh, when did you start coming here to sitting down with us? And I said, uh, uh, about two and a half, three months ago. And he said, you know, when you start stirring things up, it's amazing how stuff comes to the surface. And in reality, that's this, this group has, yeah, it's brought a lot of stuff out and brought it back to the surface again. I've done a lot of counseling work in the past for PTSD. And um, I've done EMDR, which is a whole different issue, mm-hmm. which I'm, I don't know if you're familiar yes, with or not. But have um, had people on discussing that. And I'll tell you, um, I mean, war is, is, not a, uh, is not a good thing. And I, and I went through some experiences which were certainly not, that wouldn't settle with me. And I did some EMDR work, which made me be able to process this and take the horror out of it. You never forget circumstances but you can put it to a place and process it to a place where you can live with it. And this is, like I said, that was some work that I did prior to this. Also through, obviously, this particular program, there's some EMD offered through there, through here. But, uh, you know, Rob kind of pointed me in a direction. I had to stop and think back about the reality of the, the last three months that, wow, we've been getting, and, you know, it, it's, it's a real different situation. We don't sit around and tell war stories. We sit down and talk about life today and, and what the impact on what we're doing and what we're thinking, why we may be feeling this anger. This is, um, <clears throat> there is, um, there's so many levels to what, what you have, uh, <laughs> have just shared. Um, in terms of the re-stimulation, um, are you finding uh, that you're able to name it now? You don't have to not, you, you can feel it, but it doesn't have to overwhelm you? Yeah. It's a question of setting goals and, and understanding. I mean, I understand. I can look at it and say, yes, I know, I know where this is coming from. It's like a problem. If you ignore it, you can stuff it, but it's still there and it's still going to bother you. When you get it up where you can, it starts to weep, seep through or weep, weep through, if you want to be honest <laughs> about it. Uh, the reality of it is, is that, uh, you know what, you can't avoid it and you, you have to deal with it or that's my personality. I mean, I have to deal with it. And you, you ask Rob at some of these sessions we go to, I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm a, I'm a little bit aggressive because I want to get it out there. And I think I stuffed for years and, uh, you know, to be able to get this out, it's just understanding how we evolve and how it affects our relationships, how it affects our families. Right. And, uh, you know, the anger and frustrations that you've carried and you never knew why. You know, I, I'm very lucky. I had a wife who, who was incredibly understanding and was, was a fixer, trying to fix me and didn't quite understand what was broken. We, you know, we really didn't understand that. And, you know, in a, in a way, over the years, we've evolved to get to the point where, you know, we do understand that there's certainly a serious break here. And, and maybe we can't fix it perfect, but if we can sure get a Band-Aid on it and maybe kind of get ourselves <laughs> going in the right direction, it sure helps life, you know. So we've got a few Band-Aids happening. We're, this is uh, WERU. This is Healthy Options. And, and we're talking with uh, veterans uh, Peter Green. Uh, we've spoken to Rob Pfeiffer. And I'd like to uh, bring uh, Carl 
uh, stoddard into the situation, into the conversation. This is a situation. All right. Uh, Hello. Uh-oh, we're in a situation. Uh, Carl. Hello. Uh, Carl Stoddard from Hope, Maine. Uh, very nervous at this point. So I, I always find it better to say I'm very nervous, and then it tends to put it away. Uh, my perspective on this, I was not combat. I was Navy uh, on a destroyer that was out of Charleston, South Carolina, uh, that went over to the theater about a month after I got off in 66. <clears throat> and uh, uh, But what I've discovered is that I was deeply affected. Uh, the Vietnam era, uh, of course, was the really televised war. Uh, along with World War II, I suppose. Korea, uh, I don't think was... You know, I, Korea, to me, is kind of a blank. And those guys uh, took a long time before their experience was acknowledged at all, uh, come to think of it. Uh, but my perspective is that um, there are many, many, many veterans like me out there who were deeply affected uh, who were not in actual combat, but we identified with those guys. We were sitting on the destroyers and the other ships and other stations watching that war, watching our you know, comrades essentially get blown away. And, uh, uh, and I have discovered that that's not to be minimized. And I, I tried to minimize it. Uh, I latched on, my, my anger manifested itself in dysfunctional family, just like the other guys, uh, uh, and uh, political activism, uh, and, uh, and what, what I'm feeling now and seeing is that this is not about that. Uh, it's about simply caring from the heart, for other vets and respecting their experience and what they've gone through. Uh, and, you know, I want to be one of those guys that's, that's there for those other vets. Uh, and, and knowing that I, just being a witness is, is a valid occupation. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, I'm very excited about this. Uh, uh, one thing, that really excites me is that we've we've had interaction with high school kids, with the Senate, what used to be the student council in my era, <laughs> right. and uh, and that was a terrific experience uh, because what it shows me the the attention that those kids gave us, uh, and I had to admit to those kids uh, that you know this is the first time I've been back to high school since high school almost. <laughs> You know, so it's as big a deal to me as as it was to them. But they were riveted to just our little snippets of experience. So uh, to me, uh, not only can we help other vets, but we can help families. We can we can give some uh, carryover to these generations, because what happens in my mind is you have a generation that goes to war. And and then it's kind of ended and self-contained almost, and you go on to the next generation, and there's no 
there's no real communication going there. So to me, it's highly appropriate that we're at We Are You uh, because we are you. <laughs> you know, that, yes. that our experience is, it's all a mix. And so... Uh, absolutely. Thank you for bringing that in. Uh, so, so, Rob, part of the, again, we're talking about veterans helping veterans, so we're getting some, uh, and we're, we're going to go into greater detail with um, Rob Pfeiffer, who um, is one of the founders of Veterans Helping Veterans. Uh, we're talking to Peter Green and Carl Stoddard, also veterans of um, the Vietnam uh, era. And um, we're talking about um, how to deal with health when you have had these experiences at a, as a veteran. So we've heard two stories. And, and Rob, in, in your professional uh, experience, when someone comes in, how do you start? What's, what's part of the healing? How would somebody's coming in with their stories? What's, where do we begin? Well, that's, that's of course, the, the big question, and it's a... I guess I consider uh, counseling therapy to be a, an art form. Like, uh, you know, if, if somebody's any good, there's going to be some variation in how you go about that. But you feel your way. Um, the story needs to be told in some form, probably not in all its gory details because that's going to be really activating. So uh, as you and I know, we both got training in TRM. Um, there's Trauma resiliency model. We've got some... Uh, ability to try to balance the uh, horrors of war with the resources that we now carry as grandparents, parents. Uh, we have somebody we love. We live in Maine. We look at beautiful things every day. Uh, there are resources that we carry in our bodies that we can access that balance out the pain and suffering that we're, uh, we're also experiencing. So we've got, we come from fear. We come from love. So how do we make sure that everyone is you know, the veteran coming in. So I see everybody first. I, I do the initial screening and uh, try to get comfortable with that and, you know, calm things down a little bit and get over the initial anxiety of going to counseling, which is, of course, uh, not something that most men look forward to. We we actually haven't had a female veteran come forward yet, so we're, we're anxious to, well, let me give the phone to number. Serve, serve the female population as well. But for the most part, men don't, run to the counseling office on their own. There's a, There's got to be something going on to get them there. Somebody's kicking you there. Um, just again, to reach Rob and, and veterans, uh, helping veterans, 236-3777, 236-3777. I think we need to uh, put that out a lot, so if Great. I don't remind Thanks me to do that. that. So um, coming back to, to those here, uh, Carl and, and Peter, who uh, are experiencing this, have you been doing some of the trauma resiliency modeling work with with uh, with Rob? No, not so much. Um, <laughs> that's okay. Well, I, this is Carl. Uh, I uh, I've done EMDR, which was very beneficial to me. Right. Yeah. Uh, um, that as far as a modality, uh, uh, <laughs> oh, I've got to say also, I, I blanked. Uh, I've been doing dance. I've been doing free dance, and uh, you know, I, I tell everyone if if someone said I'd be doing that six years ago, I would have thought they were completely nuts. <laughs> and, this is uh, the Gabrielle Roth. Gabrielle Roth's five rhythms dance. Five rhythms dance. Uh, very freeing for me, uh, and that's another really great thing about this approach. I think is something will connect with everybody. You know, God. 
God knows, I, I would never have imagined that one connecting with me. But So these are one of the resources that, that we have. There's yeah. somebody doing this as part of the veterans, uh, helping veterans. Sure, we so have Are you dancing too, Peter? Yeah. Pardon? Uh, are you dancing too, Peter? I'm not dancing. Oh, well, dan- we got to get you dancing, <laughs> that, that's, clearly. That's right. okay. okay. <laughs> I am a dancer, but not. <laughs> I'm sorry. I Only in the bathroom. <laughs> and a singer there. Yes. When, uh, when you asked me about TRM, I guess I've never identified it, so... For instance, Peter and Carl have never heard the the acronym TRM. Okay, Trauma uh, Resiliency Model. Right. In fact, uh, we have done some balancing, but it hasn't, you know, titration and all those kind of right. fancy but words. But, th- that we all learned about with Lori last time right. that we were it's on. It's never been uh, identified in any of our sessions. So, But we have an incredible array of, of, of practitioners, and as Carl said, something, if someone's persistent, they can find amongst these 23 practitioners some, something that's going to alleviate some of the pain and suffering. Carl's talking about the dance. Uh, we have two practitioners that are both lovely, lovely and incredible. I don't know if we want to give out all the oh, names. Oh, okay. Because, We're not going to do that. Because okay. uh, if somebody wanted to contact them, the way we work is I do the screening and then make the perfect. referral and call and, and rather than make that, the direct that makes, contact. So that makes actually perfect Because a lot of these sense. practitioners work in their homes and, you know, are, yeah. just need to have a little level of... Of, of privacy. Uh, privacy, right. And again, the number to reach um, Rob and he, Veterans Helping Veterans is 236-3777. And this is uh, Healthy Options. We are on WERU uh, and you are listening... Um, to uh, Rob Pfeiffer, P- uh, Peter Green, and Carl Stoddard talking about uh, their experiences as vets and also uh, coming back from a war experience uh, or um, of every sort and, um, and how healing can occur um, even 40 years later or especially 40 years later. Um, and, of course, we're talking about some of the... Uh, you are dealing with people who have recently come home from Iraq and Afghanistan, so these kinds of issues. Sure are. The, uh, one young man had been doing something none of us even conceived of in our era, and that was uh, working with the drones, um, operating the drones. So he was in a bunker all day. But uh, the sense I have of his situation is that he's more traumatized even than than what we call grunts. We call ourselves grunts, the guys who were in the mud and mm-hmm. carrying an M16. But um, because he witnessed death on a regular basis every day the entire time he was there, he was seeing it through video cameras. So he's one step removed, but nonetheless, he saw people writhing in pain and mm. and blown to bits and all those Ooh. kind of things. So so um, there, there are ways that that people are traumatized now. And I, th- I think uh, in this state, we have 150,000 veterans presently. This state has been extremely patriotic over the years. We have the highest per capita veteran rate in the country. Um, that says something about the economic situation as well. Um, eight or 9,000 have come back from Iraq and Afghanistan to this state. Uh, of that number, all of us, I believe, are re-traumatized, re-stimulated, reactivated. Um, Every time the news comes on, for instance, the speech last night is going to bring up a whole lot of stuff for people, and and uh, that's something to be very conscious of. So even the Second World War veterans who are now in their 80s are having strong feelings about war, uh, pro or con or all sorts of things, and we're not in a political uh, argument here. This is about helping people feel better and sleep better and eat better and have relationships 
that are that feel warm and connected. Uh, so I, I think the fact that somebody was or was not in combat is immaterial. I think the fact that they were in one era or another era is immaterial. There's a brotherhood or a sisterhood of veterans where we all have this hypervigilance thing going on that we can understand each other. And what ultimately what I see when guys walk in the room for a group meeting is their shoulders drop. They just feel like, oh, I don't have to pretend here. I don't have to screen what I'm saying. I can say it the way I need to say it and be understood, be accepted, be, be loved for who I am and not, not have to hide. And that's a very scary thing for a veteran, particularly the Vietnam era veterans. We really did uh, feel like we had to pretend we never went. Don't even talk about it. Nobody wants to know. Well, there was a, there's a different sense of of how people were welcomed home or not welcomed home. We were just <laughs> talking to somebody in here who was talking about parades. That mm. didn't so happen so much for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> I can only laugh. That's Under, a, understatement. A lot, well, of us, you know, a lot of us went to the woods and just there, disappeared. Is yeah. that what you did? Yes. Veterans Helping Veterans, 236-3777 for uh, reaching out. You know, we're, I, there are a, a number of, of threads I, I want to pull together here, uh, not to be understated. But I do want to say that we are probably, now that we're talking about this and we brought up what's happening uh, with the locally, um, nationally now and, and currently with uh, President Obama's speech last night, people are getting activated at home, and they may be. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we could have a, a moment. You guys perhaps can talk to someone, the imaginary or one of your uh, colleagues, comrades who might just be having a hard time right now. Is there uh, something you would say or something you would ask someone to do now? Absolutely. Uh, I'd like to think that at some point, as human beings, we all have a choice uh, about what we think about, what we do with ourselves. Um, and, and making a plan when we are in one of those deep depressions or feeling really uh, dark thoughts or uh, in a panic attack, any of those things, there is still a place where we can make a choice as we're going into it in particular. Sometimes if it's deep enough, then there's no choice anymore. You're, you're lost. But a- as we start to feel the warning signs, some breathing can be really helpful, some deep breathing, focused breathing, even counting your breaths. So we can do that, just counting. Taking a deep breath and really concentrating on the exhale. The universe will refill your lungs. You need to really push the air out of yourself. And uh, so 12 to 30 deep breaths might get your system back to a functional level. Uh, Resourcing is something I really like to to think about. And, And for me, a resource that I carry with me all the time is my... 15-month-old granddaughter uh, named Maisie. <laughs> Her face uh, appears in my mind, uh, even if she's not, you know, she might be 60 miles away, but uh, her ebullient spirit just bursts into my frame, and I, it, it totally changes calms the how I'm system. feeling right now. It calms everything right down to have that resource, and it might be a place that... Uh, I go, or, you know, Pemaquid Point comes to mind, or a, a place in the woods that's peaceful and quiet and the sun slants through the trees. Anything we can visualize, that it can calm our nervous system as well. So those are a couple of ideas that, that 
doesn't cost anything. You don't have to go anywhere. Uh, People can be doing that right now. You can do it in your mind. You can do it in your mind. So let's all breathe. Let's all take a couple of nice breaths. Ah, there we go. I feel better. Thank you, Rob. (laughs) There's a healthy option right there. (laughs) That's right, the healthy option. Breathing, breathing. So, uh, Peter and, and Carl, and, uh, all, uh, you all um, alluded to your families and uh, to how your experiences affected those you love. Um, is there a way you're integrating them into your experiences now, the, the healing that you're doing? Uh, are, do they need to come in for... I, I, this is Carl again. I, I can jump in there on that. Uh, that uh, this is new. Uh, and I just noticed that when you said it. Hmm. You know, I, I've been doing it uh, indirectly. I'm a, I'm a recovering alcoholic, uh, so I'm doing that work. I'm, I've been pretty slow, uh, but this is a this is a facet of that. It's all intermingled. So uh, uh, I guess what I'm saying is that. Uh, um, this this healing happens uh, through many pathways, but but to do it through this brotherhood, I highly recommend it. I know there's a lot of guys like me out there uh, that are tussling with different addictions, different dysfunctions, issues, um, and. Uh, uh, if, if they're a vet, this is this is a, a common ground. Uh, it's as simple as that. And also, one thing I want to get in there is the families. You know, I know we're talking here at, what, uh, 10.30 in the morning. Most of the guys are not listening to this. So uh, pass it on, you gals out there and you daughters and you granddaughters. Yeah. Uh, and husbands and well, yeah, I mean <laughs> these and partners and yeah, yeah. absolutely these days and yeah, and yeah. I am noticing I, I I wanted to come back to the idea that you also haven't had any women, and we know in in these yeah. recent wars and and in all the wars, women were there in different capacities. So definitely two three six three seven 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 to reach Rob and to connect. We've got. Uh, one of the tragedies, the aftermaths of, of any war, any any conflict, is that the returning veteran, male or female, enters a family, re-enters a family, and tries to be normal. That's our goal, to re to reconnect the way we used to and have fun. And, and, and it's very difficult. It's a very difficult task. And so uh, we're finding that um, divorce rates are astronomically high, uh, domestic violence rates are astronomically high amongst veterans and amongst active duty servicemen, servicemen and women. So uh, very, very sad realities that we deal with. Uh, So being normal, just put quotes around that. We can't exactly wave our fingers around on radio, but (laughs) trying to be normal, uh, you know, there are drugs uh, and there are other treatments that seem to have some relevance for some people, but for most of us, uh, we want to do something that's non-invasive, that doesn't alter our consciousness in some way. And that's why we put together this uh, this list of practitioners, all of whom do non-invasive treatments. So somebody, you're going to keep your clothes on. You're not going to be in an altered state when you walk out. Uh, you're simply 
you're going to feel better or you're not, and you'll know that. And then you try another practitioner, and maybe there's something there that works and you feel better. So we hope that uh, the ripples go out from whoever's getting the treatment. And we do have a new initiative uh, starting in the new year. Uh, two of us are going to run a couples group where couples are invited to participate and receive treatment as a couple because we've, we have the sense that the uh, whoever the partner is that's been home is traumatized when the veteran returns because you start trying to anticipate their moods and, and what's going to happen next and how do I make sure things go smoothly. And that's an incredible burden to be carrying. So uh, we want to try and, again, this is we opened our doors in June. And we're feeling our way, and one of the initiatives we, we feel seems to make sense right now is to open the doors to couples and see what happens with that. And then by March, we'd like to do something with the children. That was uh, my next question. Offer something to the children and have a children's group uh, of whatever age, teenagers, whatever. You've been missing somebody in your family. There's been a big hole at the dinner table or wherever. You've probably been trying to fill it yourself, which is... Uh, a difficult burden to carry when you're a kid trying to be a kid, and so uh, what's the? Let's bring some kids together and see what their experience is like, so that we can send ripples out that way as well. Two three six three seven 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 is the uh, number to reach Rob Pfeiffer at Veterans Helping Veterans, who can plug you into all of this. Um, Peter, you know you talked about your wife being a fixer. Interesting. How does this work? How did that work for that you? It didn't work well. It at didn't all. work. <laughs> you know, well, being, because of her trauma. Well, I, su I, sus I suspect, you know, we, we all carry a certain amount of baggage. And when you're in a relationship uh, with somebody who is damaged, in reality, uh, you know, it's you try to make everything right. You try to make your relationship stronger. And the harder you work, uh, if that person is damaged in, in a sense, which I guess I, I can describe myself that way and not and not feel guilty about it too bad. Thank you, Rob. Uh, <laughs> I, I can... Just breathe. Uh, breathe. Yes, thank you. Uh, it, it's, it's incredibly... Trying to be incredibly supportive and, and try to make what make me right, that's not her job. And that was a real point that almost anybody has to occur. Nobody can fix you. You know, and that's, that's a reality that you have to come to yourself. Somebody can keep telling you this over and over again, but until you come to the reality of saying, you know, the person that's going to be the, on the baseline here that's really going to put it out, that's gonna, it's going to be me, and I'm the one that has to work on me to make. But you have to realize that you have issues. And I guess, you know, some simple things like I talked to you about when we walked in the door, you know, simple little things, understanding that you have an issue. You know, very honestly, I suspect early in my marriage, I, I, my wife would say, well, that's just not normal. And I would look at her and I would say, what are you talking about that's not normal? I, mean, I, I can't even understand what you're talking about because I had lived so long. I mean, I, this was after the war, obviously, after the Vietnam War, but we got married. And, and I didn't even have a perception of I was projecting myself in a particular way. And, you know, we carry this through to our children. We carry this through and... and it gets somewhat overwhelming, but you have to, it's, it's very difficult, I guess, to take that first step. It's, it's ridiculously difficult in a, in a lot of ways. This, I'll be very honest, what got me going this last seven years has been hell in the sense of 
you know, the first Gulf War, that was that was quick. That was three days. That was absolutely painless. People in America, we turned on the TV and it was here and it's gone. But you know what? This particular situation we're in now, it's not gone. And it's I suspect it's not going to be gone for a while. And the longer that festers and the more you turn on the news and the more you see, to me, that is, I'm, I'm walking in footsteps I feel like I've walked in before. And I'm looking at young people today walking in those footsteps and it, and it, uh, I just get more and more uptight, and you're and you suddenly realize that it's going to manifest itself in some way. So here we, as we go, we're talking post-traumatic stress, and we're we're understanding where this anxiety and where this frustration is coming from, and how to deal with it. But it's you know what, it's awful hard to get out of that chair after you've had had dinner and and go out to the truck and drive down the road and sit down, but talk to a bunch of guys, but you know, once, and, mm-hmm. and the first time I walked in the door, you asked Rob, I kind of walked in the door and I'm looking at these guys and I'm going, wow, <laughs> you know, like, like, uh, huh, uh, what is this all about? And they're all kind of talking back and forth and, 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 you know, they're really glad to see each other. I can tell that. And I just was kind of the fly on the wall, sitting back uptight and the new guy. Yeah. And, and it was a small enough group so that it didn't take long before you can't hide. You know, it's like you're, you know, come on out, become part of this a little bit. And uh, what's been their biggest problem, I must admit, probably over the last month and a half to two months is I can't shut my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good today. Well, <laughs> that's why I'm here. That's why you're here. <laughs> to, to, to spread the, spread the, uh, the word about, but about it, the process. It, it, it is also a very serious lesson in listening. Because we all are educating each other here. And that may sound very, very strange. But when you sit down and somebody relates somebody, a a situation they have with a child, whether it be an adult child or a younger child, or somebody's dealing with a teenager, and you can relate because you are in the same situation and your frustrations and stuff like that. And we we work, everybody has has an opinion. And these opinions... They're not coming from Rob. They're not coming from a, a, it's people working together to come up with a solution. And it's amazing uh, how clear and clean these solutions can be and easy they can be when, when, it, when, when you actually uh, have seen somebody else actually process it, obviously different than what I was. So that's. So you're bringing that back. So you're helping each other and also bringing it home. Absolutely. So again, to reach uh, Veterans Helping Veterans, 236-3777. This is uh, Healthy Options. I'm Rhonda Feynman, and we're here with uh, the founder, one of the founders of Veterans Helping Veterans, Rob Pfeiffer, and we're here with uh, two participants in the program, and everybody's a, a veteran of the uh, Vietnam-era war in Vietnam, Peter Green and Carl Stoddard. And uh, yes, Carl. Uh, I was just thinking that uh, along along with this group, well, or actually I think what really made me want to come to the group a lot uh, was the documentary by Aaron Gaudet, I believe it was the guy that did it in Maine, of... Uh, uh, the way we get by, uh, the greeters that of, yes. of all the flights in and out to the Afghanistan, Iraq, uh, and every one of those guys coming through the airport was greeted by these 
several individuals that really dedicated their lives. I mean, they were there at every flight 24 hours a day. And I think that uh, made this whole effort uh, emblematic. And I, I just want to give that a real plug because, you know, I think you, people can access that. Uh, the Way We Get By documentary on the greeters uh, uh, of the, the, the guys and gals coming through, through Bangor. Uh, and uh, I guess one other thing I wanted to say with that, uh, well, what it does is it, it really brought it down to the heart level for me uh, that I just care... Uh, about these men and women who, and I really respect what they've gone through, and it allowed me to detach from the military aspect and the political aspect and just keep it focused on, you know, what can I do to to help? And that, it's just such an inspiration. I recommend that, that film to everyone. And uh, uh, I think it'll bring you... To vets, to vets. Yeah. Well, I would think so. also, uh, especially as we alluded to, um, not to be superficial, or <laughs> the understatement, that that is such a contrast to the experience mm. of, oh, yeah. of you guys and many women and men um, in our listening audience. Um, and I would imagine that that has to re-stimulate something and to turn that around with the help by being conscious of it seems helpful i mean that's uh, you know tell me if i'm wrong absolutely no that. i think what we're we've learned a big lesson i hope it's a nationwide lesson to um take the politics out of it this is about people who are giving of themselves and have done the best they can regardless of uh the mission whether it was correct or you know you could argue about that till the cows come home but what we in Maine, I think, really know about is community. And here we are on community radio, and we're doing community mental health. That's a wonderful uh, mesh. And and if communities simply greet each other in a, in a civil, loving way, uh, things tend to go really well. And and that's what this is about. We're, we're greeting people and saying, hey, you want to try this and you want to try that? And and uh, people are stepping up to the plate and, and feeling better. So if if it weren't the case, we would stop and we would do something else, you know, find <laughs> another way to uh, maybe get hammers or something. We had a request the other day to help a, a vet who's having trouble getting up and down stairs install a toilet. And we haven't decided what we're going to do because we're not toilet installers. But, uh, <laughs> right. you know, there are some pretty sad situations going on, and uh, we're, we're, we're starting to get the calls that uh, we, we arranged a ride for a, an elderly vet who needed to get to Togus and had to get, he couldn't get himself there anymore. He had to give up his license. So uh, his son was very worried about him and that kind of thing. Wonderful. Whatever it takes to get somebody connected with some support, that's what this effort's about. And veterans are a very special group who have given. And let's say thank you in some way or another. And we tend, we've, We've been there and, and didn't hear any anything about thanks. Didn't really expect it, but we got worse than no yeah. thanks. We got spit at and mm. told we were baby killers, and that that that's really uh, that tends to drive you underground. And I would think. so you go to the woods and hide. And I'm remembering um, I used to live in Minnesota, and uh, really learned that the largest homeless population 
we're uh, we're vet. Yeah. And for all of the reasons that we've talked about, people not being able to integrate their experiences and come back to whole a wholeness. Sure. A lot of yurts and log cabins were built after the Vietnam War to uh, house, well, people were disappearing into the woods to just he try and heal on their own, self-medicate and heal, to be normal. And that's all we all were trying to do, and, and I think there's some really positive, non-invasive ways to do that that can speed the process up. You don't have to hide in the woods the rest of your life. So... To not hide in the woods, call <laughs> Rob at <laughs> Veterans Helping Veterans, 236-3777 to uh, reach uh, Veterans Helping Veterans and to really get plugged into um, to the program. Um, you know, you were, you, Peter, you were, you were talk about working as, as a logger. Are you working with other veterans? Is that, are you? If yeah. you uh, realize that most people in my situation and, and who are, came out of that Vietnam era, a lot of us were, we tend to be very independent. We don't necessarily work well with others. We tend to strive to be uh, a little bit hard-headed. And uh, as far as working with others, we prefer a solitary existence as far as something we control. We want to be able to control our lives. if by speaking that, I'm probably speaking to probably half of the listeners at this particular point in time, but if you take and address some of those issues, the hypervigilance, some of the other issues, and, and apply that to some of the vets, particularly the Vietnam era vets, I'm sure it'll carry over into the, the vets from this particular con- these particular conflicts which are going on at this time. But, uh, you know, that was my, uh, the way that I, things manifested itself with me. Uh, and also there's an adrenaline junkie trip that comes out, you know? I mean, when you're 18 years old and you're flying around in helicopters and people are shooting at you and you're shooting at them and you find yourself shot up and you're, I mean, you're living on the edge. When you come home, you know what? I, when I was 21 years old, I looked around and I said, you know what? I've lived my life. I've done it. What else, what else can there possibly be? You know, because I've had the greatest rush I can ever have, including getting (laughs) wounded very severely. But, I mean, I I really felt that way. And life, I said, my God, it's just, you know, it's got to be just a drag from here. And so, needless to say, since that point on, I've I've put myself right on the edge continuously from being in the fishing industry to, to being in the logging industry to being in the merchant marine, going through those different steps. But I finally got myself in a position where I was controlled. I made my own little world and have functions within that with other people, which, but it's a question of when you go through something like this, I think it's a question of you lose trust with the world. And it's very slow to bring that trust back to people you trust and to put yourself in that kind of situation. And, and that's how it manifested itself for me. And, you know, I've been successful and, and, but it's been a battle. And, you know, uh, understanding, taking the time to understand that I had a problem that was my largest hurdle to get over. Once I understood that I had the problem, I didn't have a solution, but I could, I could get into life and go forward. And until I really got to that point, I was pretty much, I was pretty much waiting for, well, life is over. What's what's the next trip? You know. Well, that's a fascinating piece. Yeah, Peter's saying that he work, he's worked solo. Yes, I'm getting it. <laughs> it was a long, long right. way around to Sorry, say that. But no, that was a the, great... Uh, 
the and adrenaline the, issue. I wanted the, to talk about yeah, that too, and, and I know Carl has something yeah. to say in a second. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just, uh, you know, all of the we have coping mechanisms we develop over time, and you know the fact that Peter needs to sit looking at the door, or I need to walk down the sidewalk and walk where there are no booby traps, even though Belfast isn't known for booby traps. Uh, you know, the way we drive, the way we sleep, whatever we do, whatever we've developed over time as a coping mechanism, if we're aware of it, if we let that rise to the level of, of awareness and can then sort of play with it, that's a whole different thing than being driven by the fear which allowed us, uh, which, which put that coping mechanism in place. Like, I need to do this to survive. That's a very different thing than saying, yeah, you know, sometimes I take these funny uh, routes down the sidewalk and it's all about, you know, so noticing it. And, and I, so that's part of what we're doing, too, is, is raising that awareness and consciousness to the point where we're making choices and, and can laugh at ourselves about it, lighten the load. Because, boy, it's heavy when the fear is driving us and we're just, we have to do this stuff and have to be by ourselves and have to control everything. And, it's like, and the people around us are suffering as we do that. There's no way they couldn't because being around a control freak is not very comfortable. Not so much fun. So, Carl, you were uh, rummaging, finding I, things. Well, I was, I was just uh, thinking back to a symposium I did on PTSD. Uh, in Portland a, a couple of years ago, and there was a woman uh, who shared about her uh, husband who uh, was back from Vietnam era and uh, finally committed suicide after he was home for 15 years. And uh, so that's points to the seriousness of, of the thing. But the thing that, the one little thing that she came out with uh, all kinds of things that she came out with, but uh, she was talking about PTSD should be called PTSI for injury instead of disorder. And uh, I think that's that really resonated with me. It's like it sounded like a very healthy way to look at this whole thing because these guys reacted in a in a totally human way. It was a healthy, Mm-hmm. reaction to injury and and the connotation that disorder puts that on that yeah. uh, can be a huge distinction no wonder the guys went into the woods you know it's like I'm I'm screwed up you know uh, so I so that uh, changing that frame for you really made a big difference right reframing it re-imaging yeah. it uh, because we can beat ourselves up like nobody else ever thought of doing it. Uh, and uh, this woman wrote a book called Flashback, Penny Coleman. Uh, and uh, Flashback, uh, Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder, Suicide and the Lessons of War. Uh, and uh, So that was another know. resource for you that... Really made things yeah, I'm just clear. thinking of these tidbits that uh, that maybe can reframe this stuff and and have uh, men and women with that this experience just pause for a minute and say, "Wow, you know, I, I don't have to 
beat myself up or recede or or not not interact because I, I'm just in this manifestation of of an injury of an injury that I need to heal from. So here we are. It helps healthy options again. I hope. Thanks. That's a really that's a great distinction, and we only have a couple of minutes left, so it's nice to just sit with that for a second to see injury versus disorder and how how we change things in our minds. I like I, I like that, and as a hopefully that will be helpful to to someone out there who will then say, oh. Well, to treat my injury, I could go to uh, Veterans Helping Veterans at 236-3777. So please, we're really trying to uh, encourage people, if you are having um, any kind of uh, reactions and uh, are feeling stressed or feeling that you're not living as well as you want as a, as a veteran, please do call Rob and, and, uh, and get hooked up with uh Everybody here, Carl and Peter, and uh, all the practitioners who are involved in uh, veterans helping veterans. We, as I said, we have about two minutes or left, and um, there was one thing that uh, came up twice, and I did re- remember reading about um, the whole idea of, of stimulation junkie about about that. Um, and I know that uh, a lot of the vets coming back now, they're doing the war game, you know, the uh, video games and paintball and everything. Yeah. yeah. And was that, I imagine, just because we're talking about it now, it's more awareness, but I imagine that that would have been something that all veterans, as part of a, out of a pattern of, uh, of that experience, is that something you're seeing, Rob, wouldn't you? Well, thrill-seeking is definitely, uh, I, I guess that'd be the term I'd use. Is it tends to be in your, in your bloodstream. Uh, when you've jumped out of helicopters and done all the various things that you're asked to do while you're in the military, and... Having people shoot at you, and then you're back to a small town community in Maine, which is the sidewalks roll up at six o'clock at <laughs> this time of, of year. Uh, so yeah, it, it's a fascinating piece that, uh, again, if we're conscious of it, we can find thrills like skiing or bicycling. For me, bicycling has been a great uh, outlet for me for many years, and part of it is the thrill of going down a hill at fifty miles an hour or whatever it is. I I, I may be able to achieve. Uh, uh, that is part of it, and it seems to be a healthier one than than some of the other options I had before. Well, we're just about out of time. I hear the theme music <laughs> coming up, and um, any. I just want to thank everyone for coming and really sharing, and and I want to thank all of your families for uh, sharing you with us today. <laughs> and. Uh, Thanks for having us. Yes, thank you. Appreciate We're it. honored to be here. Thank you, Ron. Yes. Um, once again, we've been talking to Rob Pfeiffer, Peter Green, Carl Stoddard. They're all part of uh, Veterans Helping Veterans. It's uh, an organization that's uh, offering individual counseling, group work, post-traumatic stress or injury support. We've just learned something. <laughs> Body work for the treatment of trauma Um Rob Pfeiffer, thank you so much. Uh, Peter Green, thank you so much. And Carl Stoddard, thank you so much. And once again, to reach them, 236-3777, If those anybody uh, is feeling that they want to talk to Rob right now, um, he's available to connect right after the show for a few minutes. So thanks so much. I'm Rhonda Feynman. This is Healthy Options, and you are listening to WERU-FM. 89.9 Blue Hill, 102.9 in Bangor, streaming online always at uh, weru.org. Thanks so much for tuning in.
Support for WERU comes from Inner Tapestry, a holistic journal celebrating and supporting life, featuring alternative health and natural living articles, calendar listings, and a directory of resources. Available at health food stores and alternative health centers, 799-7995 or innertapestry.org. Join Jane Haskell of Unit.